As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletics Tuesday National College Sports Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. And I'm thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague from the Big Ten Network, Robbie Hummel. Uh, we're going to break down all the biggest storylines in college hoops. Uh, for all of you who came expecting college football podcasts, we are now a college basketball podcast for the next few weeks um, as we get into really, I think, the best time of the year on the sports calendar. So, Robbie, thanks for hanging out and, and making our listeners a little smarter about uh, college hoops. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, and, you know, as we're recording this, it is like conference tournament week is in full force. We've got we're, we're recording this Monday night. So we've got like multiple championship games going on, some crazy finishes, um, trying to figure out which, you know, one bid league we're going to pick to be our Cinderella's. Yep. What, what's your favorite part of this, this week? I mean, the week before selection Sunday. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's a few different things, you know, I think the looking at the, the mid-major conferences, there's so much on the line. You know, I think that is what's really cool about March. You, you see some of these teams that you've maybe heard about, but haven't gotten to see a ton just because they're not on TV, like the big 10 or the ACC or, or the, the power five really are. And uh, I just think that seeing kids accomplish their goals and their dreams of clinching an NCAA tournament berth is really special. And that, that has to be because I grew up in Valpo. I was a ball boy for Homer Drew. So I like appreciate how much rides I think on those conference tournaments. And, and fortunately when I was at Purdue um, as a player, we only really were sweating it out and we weren't even sweating it out. We knew if we won our first round game, my fifth year that we would make the NSA tournament. Like it was never a, you've got to make some crazy run. Like maybe Duke is feeling or Indiana is feeling right now. Um, that would not be enjoyable, <laughs> but, but I do think that the pressure to see some of these kids like raise up for the moment and get to accomplish that goal of going to the NCAA tournament. And then some of those teams going on to be the Cinderella, Cinderella's that we love. Um, I think that's a great part of it. And then when you look at the, the whole situation from the power five, think about how good the big 10 tournament is going to be this year after like the first round, 
I mean, you're going to have really good teams playing from from that point on. And some of the matchups, I, I would think the quarterfinals are going to be just heavyweights. You know, I, I think it has the point or the the potential to be outstanding. And I would say the Big Twelve is like that as well. Um, but just a lot of good teams playing and and with a lot to prove. It at the end of the day, it is really exciting knowing that you're playing to uh to get another ring. You know, I think you give out rings for the the regular season, but you also get them for the uh, the conference turning. I, I like that you casually mentioned your fifth year, basically half or a quarter of your you know twenty year career in college basketball. <laughs> um, but yes. so so actually, let's start there because I've always wondered this. Um, when everyone says, you know, their team goals at the beginning of the year and in the Big Ten, every single program will say win a Big Ten championship. They're sure. talking about the regular season championship, right? Like, d- totally. like you'd prefer to win that, correct? Yeah, but I think also like the Big Ten tournament can maybe in a way be a saving grace. Like I, I think that the Big Ten or, or any conference tournament, not just the Big Ten, I think that the importance of that event depends on what your season is doing. And I'll, I'll give you an example. My, my sophomore year at Purdue, so my second year out of five, um, we are not playing well to end the season. We lose at home on senior night to Northwestern. We go up to East Lansing, actually, the day of my birthday and get spanked uh, against Michigan State. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, that would have been, yeah, that would have been uh, 12 years ago today, I guess. We got killed by <laughs> Michigan State up in East Lansing. Um and, you know, we weren't playing well. We'd lost four or five. It, it was not going well. And I don't know what happened, but for some reason, we went from getting blown out in the Breslin Center to we got to Indianapolis and something changed. And we smoked Penn State. We, we really got Illinois. And then we beat Ohio State for the Big Ten Tournament Championship that had Evan Turner and, and all those guys. And that springboarded us completely into – the NCAA tournament, we get to the Sweet 16. We lose to a UConn team that goes to the Final Four. But, I mean, if you looked at the way we were playing in late February, you'd have been like, there's no way these guys are doing that. So it it really took on an added meaning, I think, that year. Now, if you fast forward to the next season, my junior year, you know, this doesn't play out because I end up blowing my knee out in late February. But if, let's say I don't, you know, we're the number three ranked team in the country at that point. We're rolling towards a one seed. We're 22-3. and three. We've got – four wins against teams in the top 10, three of them are on the road. We were going to be a, a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't think that has the same maybe meaning of winning it. Like you still want to win. Don't get me wrong, but there was some desperation there my sophomore year. And I think my junior year, had it been able to happen, I, I would have been intrigued to see how we would have, have approached that because I just think sometimes you're like, all right, let's win a game. And maybe the rest will, will be beneficial for us if we do happen to lose. Again, you're not playing like I hope we lose the game, but I, I do think that it, it really depends on kind of what your situation is at the time. Yeah, and that's kind of when, when the Big Ten moved the tournament to get to the Garden, that was like the big storyline. It was like, is that rest going to be good or bad? Um, and it could go either way. And it could totally go either way Yeah, and it, and it worked out well for Michigan that year. Yep. Um, and so – it's super interesting, especially this year with all the stops and starts um, of the season in general. Like I, you know, the, the idea of momentum, you know, whether or not you believe in it, but I do think, you know, when you talk about like, are you playing your best basketball at the end of the season? Like that stuff matters. Um, and, and I think that it's going to be fascinating because some of the teams that even we thought like Ohio state was really hot, like a month ago. Sure. And then they've cooled off. Like, can you recapture that? And, and it's, that's the best part about this tournament because as you know, like 
the best team in the country does not always win this thing. Like I have seen teams, I have been on the court wearing confetti and I know that that's not the best team in the country, but they had the two totally. best guards for six games. Right. Like, and that, that's how you win these games. Um, and I think that's, what's really fun. And I think like this year is going to feel really special because this was the first event we lost. We didn't yep. have. And I, I mean, you know, I guess we all probably take a lot of things for granted, but I think the, the joy of sitting on your couch for four straight days and not knowing what's going to happen, but knowing it's going to be awesome. I, I think, we're all going to appreciate that a little bit more. And I think it, I, I think you see that in the players, like you mentioned about, you know, these, these one bid leagues, I think you're seeing a lot of emotion already that sure. I think is probably tied to that. Like the, just how much they had to go through to even get to this point to, to punch a ticket for the tournament. Well, think about how much the kids have gone through. I mean, you talk to any of these players on these teams or the coaches, it's like, this is not a normal year. Like we get to watch it like it's normal. I, I, not in the sense that there's, you know, there's no fans in the stands, but the games are happening. It's there's college basketball. Um, and that does feel like something normal that we, we had before, but like these kids aren't going to parties. They're not able to even eat together on the road. Like that's the most fun part of road trips. You go to Champaign, you go to Minneapolis, like you don't want to sit in your room you hang out with your teammates, you know, you mess around at, at dinner. And, and, you know, sometimes you, we had a thing at Purdue where if we won road games, the road game before we got to run a movie, you know, and that was like, I mean, it's a $10 movie, you know, it's, it's not like it's this cool, amazing thing, but it, it felt like it. And now you've got your own room. You're just sitting there by yourself. It's not the same for those kids. They, they've sacrificed so much. And I, I think that for them to make it to the finish line, um, and get to the conference term and get to the point where we really got to last year before kind of the world stopped. It's just like, I remember it so um, vividly, you know, I, I had stopped calling games because I was committed to do three on three basketball and get ready for what, what that entailed for the Olympics. And uh, we got sent home from that because of COVID and I'm, I'm back in Chicago. We were out in Los Angeles and, you know, just watching that all go down. We're like, all of a sudden, Freddie Hoiberg is like really sick at the Big Ten tournament. And all of a sudden, Rudy Gobert has coronavirus. And like up until that point, it was like, yeah, it's overseas. Like it's not really here. It's going to get here eventually. But then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, like this is for real. And then you had the stuff at the Piggies tournament and all. I mean, it was like bizarro world, right? And we've made it back to that point. And I, I think the kids deserve so much credit for, for that because they've really made this season possible. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who are actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. 
Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats it might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and it's time you join that number. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash CFB23. That's linkedin.com slash CFB and the numbers 2-3 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I was talking with um, Scott Drew earlier, and he was talking about that moment too. Because I mean, we're basically at the anniversary. And so you're seeing a lot of people kind of reflecting back on that. And I think also, I don't think you could talk about this year's tournament without talking about not having it. Um, And and we obviously learned just how important that was to keeping these programs afloat and scholarship opportunities, all those things. Um, but it, it was interesting because Scott Drew was just talking about like when you have a team, they were going to be a one seed for the first time in program history. Like they were doing things that were the first time for Baylor in, you know, 70 years, the first time ever. Right. And he was talking about he's only had a couple of teams where you felt like you could win it all sure. and to not have that opportunity. I think about like Rutgers last year. And Penn State, Penn State, Penn State as well, totally. both of them. And like, those are feel good stories. And you're so, you just, you know how much goes into that and how hard it is at a place like that to, to get yeah. over that hump. And I, I was watching a game the other night and, and they had hung up um, like NCAA qualifier, I think mm-hmm. as the banner, because yeah. you, you didn't say what round you made it to. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like, wow, that's kind of, I mean, I'm glad that they're, that they're marking this, I mean, yeah, but um, you know, yeah, I mean, like you talk to Steve Peichel and um, you know, they're, they're trying not to dwell on last year, of course, but, but you At think least about Rutgers that. is back to being in the picture. Yes. No. And, and, and they I, know they're in, they know right, they're in now. Right. Yeah. I, I dealt with this with my knee a little bit when I got hurt and it was like, you know, all you want is a chance. If, if you get an opportunity to play and you lose, you played the game. You know, but when it's just taken from you, that's hard to swallow. Like if Scott Drew is, and I, I don't know if he ever is sad because he's like the happiest person. He, he uh, really on, is on planet Earth. But maybe every once in a while, when he's having one bad day out of 365, when he looks at it, it's like, man, we didn't even get an opportunity. And I built this team, you know, t- to be a juggernaut. Now, fortunately for him, they all come back. Penn State is the one that really is sad to me because think about how different they were last March. Pat Chambers, their coach, he's gone. Lamar Stevens is on their team. He's the best, one of the best players in the Big Ten. He's in the NBA now. Good for him. Um, you know, Mike Watkins, I don't know where he's at. And it's just like now they're they they were they weren't bad this year. They were they were tough. Like they they really were tough to beat for a lot of teams, but they're not the same. You know, so much has changed there. And it's like, man, like that, that's really, really unfortunate. Cause it's and, and you know this as well as anybody, it is so hard to win at Penn State because they are a diehard football school and basketball just does not move the needle there. No, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know why this comparison just came in my brain, but like Florida State feels like a really apt comparison where part of the reason, like, like for example, like peel back the curtain, Florida State basketball stories, like people don't read them. They have been sure. so good for so long. You have like a yep. an amazing coach, you know, underrated. Everything about them is underrated Put because it's, yeah, yeah right. every single year, like clear identity. They're long, they're tall, they're athletic, they're all of these things. Um, and it's like totally taken for granted 
because it's basketball at Florida state and Penn state, you would love to get to that point, right. Where you're actually taken for granted, but it's, it's all about resources, commitment, but some of that stuff is like lightning in a bottle teams. And I'm, I'm with you totally. Like it, yes, there are seniors on teams that didn't get to come back that, that lost last year, but you've got to feel good that like geo Baker gets to go to the NCAA totally. tournament. Right. Oh. Like, and, and, and that was one thing Scott Drew kept saying when he's talking, he's like, we brought so many guys back. Like they came back cause they wanted to do this. Right. So you don't feel as bad. Cause you're like, okay, you feel bad like Freddie Gillespie, like Freddie Gillespie. Yes. You feel next, awful. Yes. Part, they were pretty unscathed. I agree. And, and it's, and it's cool because you're like, these guys were the ones like geo Baker's the one who commits to Steve Peichel, you know, when, when you, you don't even have steps that you're taking yet, you're just right. kind of laying them out. And I'm always, I'm always fascinated by those classes. Like I I remember I did a story on Duke football and like, and coach cuts first class. It's like, you have to sell this vision of something. And, And I'm sure that it happens, you know, like every time, like when I was at Michigan, Michigan started to take that step from, uh, like they made the tournament for the first time in 11 years. Right. And then they take the steps and now they're, you know, they've been in the title game. Sure. And so at some point, like you, you are taking, like there there's, you're taking a leap, you're taking a jump, you're trying to b- envision something beyond that. But that first class, when you know that you're probably, like it, there's a good chance you may not make the tournament. Like it, you're laying the, the building blocks. I, I love the players that commit and do that and don't go somewhere where they know they're going to make the tournament. Totally. to do that like I, I just love that and so to get to to see like you know miles johnson geo ba- that class actually get to go i think is really cool um and again like the baylor guys that are again you you hit all these milestones um you know you, you've been in the big 12 and kansas has just owned it right and and you get right. to break through and get to that level so i think it's super cool and and i i know that you've been watching both of those leagues pretty closely like clearly two best leagues in the country um which teams in the leagues outside of the the obvious ones do you actually trust like who who and this some of this could end up changing based on the tournament right because you could you kind of want to see who gets hot late but like you know i think part of what i'm trying to use this podcast for is to catch people up and like here's like a cheat sheet sure so, so let's talk about some teams that that we trust to make runs okay um so like baylor is discounted they're definitely a like a, a trustable team um you know i i still i really like west virginia i think deuce mcbride is a stud i think that Derek culver is a stud it, it really helped him when when Sheboy left which is crazy because he was a really good player you know he transfers to kentucky um but bob huggins has, has done a really nice job i think texas is so talented like when you look at their roster i did texas oklahoma last week great game i mean studs on both teams um you know they, they've they've kind of bounced back here they early in the year they looked like they were a team that could definitely go to the final four and then they had the COVID pause and it really kind of just put a wrench in their season they've won three in a row they won at oklahoma um i really like their talent um but they have not had great success against ranked opponents outside of beating kansas in overtime over the last month um, but I do like their team. I think that they are, are really talented. So I'll go Texas, West Virginia, Baylor. And Kansas is, has snuck back onto the radar as maybe being a team that you trust. But then at the end of the day, like you still are like, man, they just don't look like the typical Kansas teams have. 
but they yeah. they have they're, one they're, like they're ones that like we're gonna trick ourselves into yeah like you want to believe but <laughs> they're just not you know they don't have great point guard play david mccormick has played much better um second half of the season um it just feels like they've got a lot of guys who if they were complimentary pieces like last year they would be great but they're they don't have a, a devon dotson or a, a doke you know they're just they're missing kind of that alpha dog and marcus garrett is is not that guy great role player Great defender, great, you know, fourth option. But, um, yeah, so in, in the Big 12, I'll go there. Big 10, Michigan is kind of an obvious one. I think Illinois is as talented as anybody in the country. Now, I think at times, from a discipline standpoint, <laughs> they aren't always the most disciplined. Um, but I, I love their talent. Iowa scares the heck out of me because of their defense. You know, I, I think that's the common kind of consensus there. You, you talked about Ohio State. I, I think that they kind of played above their level earlier in the year. I mean, they were playing great, but I do think that they've kind of come back to to more of what they maybe are. You know, I, I think they were playing the sum of their parts was totally greater than what you look at individually on paper. Um, Purdue is a team that's not maybe getting – the credit it deserves. And when you look at like Ken Palm, they're top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, their freshmen are really, really good. Next year, they are going to be so good. Um, so I, I, I'll throw, I'll say the teams I trust in the Big Ten as like second weekend teams. I'll go Michigan, Illinois. I think Iowa can get the second weekend. I think Purdue and Ohio State can too. You know, I, I really think that highly of the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's definitely, and I know there's a lot of historical benchmarks. I guess we'll get to the end and see if it's, you know, kind of one of that all-time year. It's been interesting because when you don't have that much non-conference play, A, it feels more challenging because, like, these are all your games. Right. But also, it ends up creating, like, a weird cycle where it's like, well, this team's good because they beat that team, and that team's good because they beat that the team. The cannibalization of the league is so Yes. Like, like, Michigan State, who I don't trust – who will make the tournament, but I, I will not trust them. I'm not sure the officials from other leagues will allow the, uh, I'll call it the WWE style of play that we've seen over the yes. last two weeks. Well, well and, and despite that, they still can't stop themselves from doing it. Like right. they, even when they do get called, um, it's so like they have three top five wins. Like they're the only team in the country that has that. And that's going to get them into the tournament. And that's great. Totally great for them. Um, Michigan played poorly when they played them. They should have beat them by more. Like there's a lot of reasons I'm not going to trust that team, but because, but they are the beneficiaries of the league being the league, right? That's how, that's how they're in. And we're not really that worried about it. Like they're not even in last four in territory right. heading into the big 10 tournament. That's the mark. That's like where you want your conference to be because then you don't even have to go on like these deep runs in the conference. Like the ACC is mediocre this year. Yep. Duke's going to have to win the whole thing. Like there, right. there's no other way to build your resume. Yep. And I think the American conference is a really interesting league to look at in that regard. Cause you have Houston who is really, really good. And then you've got Wichita state who it seems like is going to be a tournament team. And like Memphis is the perfect example of just not having opportunities and COVID they got the shaft so hard. They, they lose a game to Houston at home that they just don't get to play. And that you're looking for Qualen wins, and they yep. lose a game against Wichita State, which I think was on the road. So that may have been a quad one game as well. And then they end up losing the road game on a half-court 
you know, freak three that um, gets thrown in. And it's just like, you know, that, that's, that's the situation that I think your conference would look at as a nightmare. Like we just can't get in a year like this enough quad one opportunities for our, our, our teams. Just the, the league is not good enough. Um, that is not the case in the big 10 and the big 12 there there's for the most part, everybody is really good. It's, it's a, it's a juggernaut of, of the leagues. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically the, the scenario that you're describing usually doesn't happen in the American, but it can, it's, it's the, the, the Missouri Valley question. It's the, it's, it's these leagues that have a second really good team. But like, when you, when you look at these resumes, like I've, I've done the mock and, you look at everything side by side and one of these teams, a big 10 team is going to have like 20 games filled in all of these, you know, these, these boxes that you want games filled in. And yeah, they're going to have some losses because we're going to be talking about the bubble and they're going to be flawed, but they're going to have, you know, like they may have four quad one wins compared to one or zero. And, and that's where, yeah. And that's where it's, that's where the whole thing is stacked against the mid major. And, you know, I, I've I've railed against that for a while. I mean, one of the things I think you could do, but you you'd have to lose, like we're talking about how fun these conference tournaments are. If they just sent the regular season champion, what the Ivy used to do, you're putting your best team in. Um, it doesn't really give you an opportunity for second team necessarily, but it you probably better chance in the tournament. Like I don't know what you do if you're yeah. in major league. I to- think the the financial implications of that are probably what really hurts. I would right. assume that when these games are on ESPN and it's on like tonight, I'm watching um, the SoCon Championship on the major network. It's on ESPN. It's not on ESPN two. It's not on ESPN U. That that's tr- terrific. You know, press for that league. Right. And I'm sure the money is really good too. So I, I hear you. Because there are years where it's like, man, we had a really good team in our league and they could have won a game or two in the NCAA tournament, but they weren't able to beat whoever, you know? Yeah, there were, I mean, there's, there were some years where like there was like one one seed that comes out of, you know, the mid-major tournaments. Sure. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really interesting because it's exactly what you said. Like you're, you, like I, I remember talking to people like all on the ends of the spec, coaches would prefer like the regular season champ to, sure. to get in body of work. We, yes, we absolutely. Yeah. Like that's it. what you play towards. Yeah. Um, but, but then it's like, okay, if you're the conference, then like, you know, some of your teams would basically be out after a couple of games, you know, you that get to too. a bad start, that's, you give up yeah. on the year. I have some three on three teammates who play in the Ivy league and they're like, you lose your first weekend set of games. It's like, yeah. well, do we even, does it matter? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, we're not going to be able to do it. It's probably a real factor. I mean, like, you know, we're seeing again, like it, maybe it didn't happen as much in basketball as it did with football, but like opting out, right. Opting out at some point in the season. People were really nervous that it was going to happen once the team started losing. And then, you know what happened? It started to happen when the team started to lose. Yeah, right. Because so. and, and I don't know if that's maybe as big of a factor with like mid-major basketball. Everybody, I think, that plays college basketball thinks they're a pro. But I'm not sure it's that true. they're like willing to. Because if you opt out now, it's like, all right, well, I'm on my own for, you know, meals and lodging. And and not that that's going to always be the thought process. That was the case in football, too. But, yeah. um, you know, I, it, it is interesting. It's. I just think that the conference tournaments bring um, publicity. They bring excitement. They, they they bring a lot to those leagues. And I totally hear what you're saying, but I think the benefits are also pretty strong too of having those games. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, nobody listens to me when I toss ideas out anyway. I mean, like, because I've tried to, I know, I've tried tried to figure out, like, to fix, like, some scheduling problems, like the overlap with football, push things back. Nobody, nobody listens, but they're not ready to make basketball one semester sport, huh? No, they're, no, that's basically what it comes down to. I mean, maybe someday, but um, I I, I do think, you know, it's your, your career, you mentioned the three on three basketball you're doing I did I did want to get into that before we wrap up um so this is the first time that this is going to be an Olympic sport was obviously supposed to debut last year 2020 um how did you even get in this space in the first place because obviously like you know you played regular five-on-five basketball throughout your career you remember a guy named Craig Moore you played at Northwestern yes Bill Carmody really good shooter so Craig was a junior my freshman year so I played against him for two years and we became friends just from playing against each other and he he lived in Chicago a little bit after school so I'd see him some because I'd be up there uh for some stuff because I'm from Valparaiso and uh we became friends and and we would text during the season whether I was in the NBA or playing overseas and Craig you know he works on Wall Street and um, you would think he'd be like consumed during the day with like what the market is doing, but at times he's not. <laughs> so he's a guy that checks box scores like, you know, every Tuesday or and Saturday, Sunday for his European playing friends that are over there just to see how they're doing. Cause that's usually how the schedule breaks down when you're playing overseas, you'd play, uh, you'd play in your like Euro league or, or Euro cup or um, whatever league you're playing from a continent standpoint during the week and you'd play in your country league on the, on the weekend. So I was playing in Russia, I'm uh, living in Moscow and I'm literally like hating every day. Like I, I, my effort at practice is pathetic. Like I'm showing up at last minute. I'm leaving immediately. I hate the coach. Like I'm, I'm just over it. You know, I just can't, it's hard playing overseas. It's a grind. You're away from your family, your friends, you miss weddings, birthdays, holidays. It can be, it can be really hard. And uh, so I was fortunate that when I um, was playing in Italy the year before, I was playing for a team that Giorgio Armani actually owned. And I dislocated my shoulder and had to come home and have, uh, have labrum surgery. And Big Ten Network had reached out to me and been like, you know, hey, uh, do you want to come do some studio? So I did. And through that, I actually got my current agent, He's a Michigan grad. He happened to be watching um, a Michigan game that I was doing halftime for. So I got to know him and I didn't sign with him right away, but I, I told him, you know, Hey, I'm still going to play. And I'd like to kind of see where this goes still. And um, basically to, to go back to Russia, I'm hating it every day. And I, I tell both the broadcasting agent um, and my basketball agent, you know, look, look for whatever you got this summer, but I'm, I might stop playing and I might give TV a try. So I get a text from Craig Moore, like come August and I've got some offers to go back overseas. I've got a mini camp with the, the Milwaukee Bucks and it didn't work out. Uh, my offers overseas, like one of them was like a month deal in Spain. And if I played good, I'd stay there for a good team, but 
Didn't want to do that. I had an offer in Jerusalem, which was pretty good, but Moscow had like broken me. And I had an offer in uh, Turkey, which is right on the Syrian border. And it was right by Aleppo. If you remember when ISIS was kind of yes. like little, yeah. slightly so, dangerous area. But I was like, oh yeah, that'll be great. You know, I'll be in the Starbucks and then I'll end up being taken across the border. Like not, not happening. <laughs> I'm not going. So I, uh, I ended up deciding to retire and Craig texts me one like September afternoon. He's like, yo, where are you going to sign it? I, I saw you haven't gone anywhere. I'm like, dude, I'm done. Like I, I couldn't go back. I had some offers. I just couldn't pull the trigger. And, and you're how old at this point? I am 28 and I had a good year in Russia. I shot like 48% from three and um, I averaged about 10 points and four rebounds, um, played well in the Euro cup stuff. And um, I didn't play bad. I just hated it. Like I, I just, it was funny. The less I cared, the better I played. <laughs> so it was like, you know, maybe, maybe I should have tried that earlier where I was, you know, losing my mind in the NBA about not making a, a shot every once in a while. But um, yeah, so I, I kind of told him I'm, I'm done. I've, I've got some offers to do TV for ESPN and Bigson network. And um, he was like, dude, the real world sucks. Don't do it. And I was like, well, you know, I've got some other stuff lined up. I, I don't think it'll be that bad. Um, and he's like, all right, well, if you're not going to play, we're looking for a spot on our three on three team. And, you know, he explained the whole concept to me and it's like, all right, you play in these tournaments all over the world. Like we played in 22 countries the last season we played it in the summer. I mean, it is like all over the place, China, Japan, Italy, Switzerland, from, from amazing locations to places in China where you're like, man, I don't need to come back here. You know, like all, all over the spectrum of, of cities in the world. And, uh, he was explaining it to me and it's like, all right, so you fly across the world. First tournament I go to is in, in Seoul, South Korea. It's a 13 hour flight. We are going to fly to Seoul. We're going to play at max. If we win every game, you will play two pool play games, 10 minutes each. If you make it out of your pool, top two of the three teams that are in it, you play in the quarters the next day. And there are obviously from the quarterfinals, the semis and the finals. So you're playing a max of five, 10 minute games, 50 minutes of basketball. And we're going to fly 13 hours each way. So 26 hours of travel. And we're going to basically roll in on Thursday, do whatever Friday, play Saturday, Sunday, and be home Monday. And he's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And I was like, all right, I just played in Russia. So I know that like some of the financials of basketball don't always make sense. Like our team's budget was like 33 million euros. And we have, you know, 800 people at the game and no one watches on TV. Like how did that's, if that doesn't scream mob money to you, I don't know what does like, um, you know, it, it's not, I know that some of this stuff doesn't have to totally make sense. And we were very fortunate. There was, there's a man named John Rogers, who's the CEO of an investment firm in Chicago. And he played basketball at Princeton. Um, he's, you know, good friend, teammates of like Arnie Duncan and um, Craig Robinson and some of those guys that played at Princeton. So uh, he was basically funding whatever was not being covered, the flights, some of the hotels. And now as we've gotten into like the top five or six ranked teams in the world of three on three, that's all paid for by USA basketball and FIBA. And like, it's, it's much more doable now. But at the time I was like, this makes no sense. And honestly, the only reason I went on the trip was because I'd never been to Asia. <laughs> so I was Check like, off a continent. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I've never been. If I hate it, I'll never go again. Um, I like Craig. I, some of these guys seem cool. And then, you know, the next summer you're playing in 22 events all over. And some of like, we played way more. We played, probably played in like 30 events internationally. 
So we wow. went to China three or four times. We were in, in Korea twice. Is there, is there a season? Like it's yes. Or, yes. Okay. So like in normal years, it would go from like April 1st or so all the way to like November 30th. So it literally fits with college basketball, like perfectly. It was like set up to, if you wanted to do it, to do both, you easily can. Wow. Um, so I kind of just fell into this and then, you know, it, it's worked out really well where we've played our way to be one of the top teams in the world and we ended up winning the world cup. So we, I won a gold medal in 2019 um, in Amsterdam with, with USA basketball and now it's an Olympic sport. So uh, we're at, we're down in Florida. We have to quarantine for three days. So I'm in this room. We like can't see each other. Uh, we got a test for COVID every morning at 7:45. Um, USA basketball and the NBA have some like mutual um i don't want to say connections but like obviously they have that but it's like because they work together and they're on each other's boards we have to follow their protocols but like it's very strict like we're, we can't really do anything here until we get cleared and it's uh it's a challenge that's for sure but uh, it'll be good to get on the court here down in orlando and and get ready for the uh, olympic qualifying tournament in austria for late may so how many teams or i, I don't know programs are there in the u.s like is this growing there, yeah it is there are two i would call teams that are in the top six of the world rankings there's a team from new york um called new york harlem and then our team is called team princeton because of john you know he played at princeton and he he was funding the, the trips so the, he's got the naming rights apparently um, but those are the two teams that play kind of on the international circuit and you'll see some other u.s teams kind of sprinkled in randomly like at the U.S. National Championships for three-on-three, three, they had them in Vegas last year. And there was, you know, have you heard of like 3X3U at the Final Four? Yeah, so I was I was just going to say, um, I was visiting my brother and had brunch with Mark Titus. Oh, nice. And yeah, he great. was talking about how that is the easiest thing in the world that he's he does. He calls yeah. that, he's like the sideline reporter he, at that game. And- side, so I announced it too <laughs> with him. And he is like, him and Tate are our sideline reporters. Um, well, so I, I stopped by when it was um, at the Mall of America. Yeah. I, I saw it. It was like right in the center. So for everyone, it, the Mall of America is huge. It's got an amusement park. It was like on the bottom floor, the second floor. And then you could watch from, you could watch, like go along the balcony and like watch yeah. these games. It was actually pretty awesome. It, seemed it was like, awesome. They, yeah. Intersport does such a good job at like building these venues to make it feel like it's such a big deal. And the kids are, it's a chance for seniors to make some money. You so know, it's which seniors I think is cool. on teams that are not playing the final four. That's the only right. rule. Yes. Okay. Yep. So it's any senior that is playing and um, you know, there was two teams at the U S national championship that had played their way in from three X three U. So that oh, we wow. actually played against the Mac team. It made me feel so old. Like I was like, <laughs> God, I was calling these kids three on three games at the final four and now we're playing them in pool play. Um, so we played them and there's a team from uh, the, the, they combined two, like a couple of West Coast Conference kids and then uh, a kid from Stanford, um, the big fella. I forget his name. Played at Stanford. He was on the Pac-12 team. Um, but, yeah, like there was two teams from that. There's a couple teams that play on – there's a, um, a like a circuit around the country um, called three-ball. There's a couple like three-ball teams. There's like three-ball Omaha. There's a three-ball Minnesota. They're, they're, so they play – but they're not going internationally. They're playing in some of the U.S. ones, and I mean, we we traveled so much. My my frequent flyer status after that one year was like, you know, if if I can't get to 
that secret tier on American Airlines that year, I'll never make it because I, I was flying all over the world on American wow. Airlines all the time. Like, and it was, it was a real, like by the end of the summer and I get into college basketball, I was like relieved, even though the season's a lot of work, but it's like, at least I don't have to fly to Japan or, <laughs> you know, Rome or wherever I've been going. And it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause like you get to see the world and it's really, yeah. really cool in that regard. But when you've taken, you know, 30 international flights in a four month span, you're like, all right, like it will be nice to be at home and maybe. Go well, and then, and then you got, you got that wish too, too far. It went too far. Yeah. We got this pole. We all, we all got stuck at home. <laughs> I know. I know. So hopefully we get back to normal here quickly. And uh, it, uh, it's good that it's, it's getting kind of back up. They're having a tournament in Doha in Qatar here uh, during the final four. So I won't be going to that one, but. Um, our team is so that'll that'll be good for them and it's cool that they're uh finding ways to kind of do this while the pandemic hopefully is uh slowing down or coming to an end or whatever it's currently doing so last question on this because i'm very fascinated by this um like how is the like what is the strategy like how how do you yeah. how is a team good at this yeah setup? so i would say teams are good by having versatile size along like I, if i'm building a team i'd have a a really if you can have a, a great point guard and then build a team with like three guys that are all six eight and can dribble pass and shoot that would be like my ideal team like you don't see many bigs in here there's a couple seven footers one of them is really mobile which allows him to be good and a couple of other guys are on teams that don't really win much so you don't see them um but like, I thought that's why our World Cup team was so good. You know, we had Damon Huffman, who played at Brown. His brother's Trevor Huffman, who played at Kent State with, like, Antonio Gates and that Elite A team. Um, but Damon is, like, just a, a junkyard dog. I mean, he gets over every ball screen. He can make shots from the perimeter. He's tough. Um, and then it was myself, Kareem Maddox, who was the Ivy League Defensive Player of the Year at Princeton his senior year. Um, they made the tournament and lost to Kentucky, I think, with, like, Terrence Jones and those guys. Um, and then Canyon Barry, who plays in the G League, and Canyon's like six eight and pretty athletic, and um, you know he still plays for real. <laughs> so <laughs> we had we had really good athletes and size at that kind of level, and I thought that really 